Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. My name again is Jeffrey Davis, and we continue to stream stories of entrepreneurship, leadership, uh, and all those things that affect your business. And, you know, we've always had a relationship with the law firm L L and A Law, uh, Landau and Anastasi. And uh, that means we were talking to Tom McNulty about IP and AI. Welcome back, Tom. Hi, good to be back. Thank you very much. You know, hot field you're in. Always something happening. There's a subject every day. What's on the agenda for today? Well, today, uh, you know, I thought we'd talk about um, the the sort of blossoming of artificial intelligence and uh, how the use of artificial intelligence in your business may or may not affect your ability to uh, protect your your information, protect your you know patentable subject matter, your copyrightable subject matter. How how that sort of all plays out. <clears throat> And uh, I guess the first thing to say is anything that is purely created by artificial intelligence in the United States is not subject to either copyright or patent protection. Um, there have been test cases on both, uh, you know, both sides of things. There's a, a a gentleman who created an artificial intelligence program and filed patent applications in the name of the program itself, uh, both in the United States and around the world. Uh was fairly routinely uh, refused even consideration because there was no human inventor <clears throat> pretty much everywhere except South Africa. South, South Africa gave him a patent, um, but their examination system is pretty cursory. So it's hard to say that they made a conscious decision that that was acceptable or if they just rubber stamped it like they tend to do. Uh, and the same with copyright protection, um, purely AI generated works uh, have been almost routinely rejected uh, for copyright protection in the world, with the exception of the United Kingdom. Um, they actually will give um, protection to the person that entered the prompts, the person that you know caused the software to create uh, the work. Uh, it gets a little bit shorter amount of time than a, than a human-generated one, but they're the only country uh, that I'm aware of, at least at present, that is, is allowing any of this type of protection for intellectual property generated by an AI. <laughs> um, the interesting thing with these things is what do you do when, you know, you've got to work, you know, something copyrightable, something patentable, that's sort of a blend of human and AI uh, contribution. And that, that's, that's, I think I that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be the area of interest, I think, over the next uh, several years. Um, I know in the copyright side of things, there was a woman who wrote a comic book and used a program called Mid Journey to illustrate it. Uh, and Midjourney is an artificial intelligence program that you put in prompts and it goes through uh, this this whole sort of rigorous procedure of its own. Um, the output is unpredictable. If you put the same prompt in today and tomorrow, you might get completely different results. You might get something very similar, but it's it's unpredictable. Um, this woman apparently spent considerable amount of time and effort refining prompts and refining, uh, you know, choosing choosing pictures and having them having the program refine it. Uh, and she filed for copyright protection without mentioning the use of Midjourney. And after she had been granted it, she went public on on social media about how she had gotten the first copyright protection on AI generated stuff. And the copyright office yanked it back promptly. Uh, and and after doing a sort of a more analysis based, you know, more thorough analysis based on the information then available to it, it decided that she had written the text, she had selected the pictures and arranged them, and you know chosen the order and all that. So she was granted copyright protection for the comic book per se, <clears throat> but that she had no copyright protection over the individual images um, because 
she didn't, you know, while she was refining the prompts and things like that, she wasn't actually in playing with the images themselves. She was, you know, feeding input in and, and whatever came out ultimately that she selected was, was something that she didn't have her own personal hands in. Um, so they, like I say, they took, uh, they took the protection away for the individual images. Uh, those are now public domain. Anyone's free to copy them, do what they want with them. Um, so I thought it was sort of an interesting case, um, you know, both in that the right office would go ahead and take it back. Um, and also in, in their analysis, it's not a, their analysis was not that there's a per se inability to get protection on something that's AI generated, but it really is that there has to be human involvement in the the final look of the image itself and not just <clears throat> in the prompts that go in, but, but, you know, not having their hands directly on the image that comes out. And you of know, course, it does, uh, it does remind me of uh, the expression, dust, you say too much. She should have, <laughs> but let me ask you it just a little bit. It, it sort of reminds me of my, my wife, uh, when she does recipes, she'll go online and look at a lot of cookbooks. And then after she's looked at a lot of cookbooks, other people's recipes, she then adapts it for herself. So sure. whose recipe really was it? Isn't it somewhat similar to that? Um, I mean, it is definitely somewhat similar to that. Um, actually, just, uh, touching back on your comment, um, the Copyright Office and the Patent Office are taking the position that you are obliged to notify them of the use of AI uh, when you file something that involves it. Um, so I want, to be, I want to be clear, I'm not advocating you You sort of keep your mouth shut to the offices. I'm sorry um, for tongue-in-cheek comment. <laughs> Well, it's the first thing that probably occurred to all of us. If she hadn't posted, she'd, nobody would have I mean, known. <laughs> very, very often I will say to clients, I'm not sure you have to really bring this whole subject up. <laughs> but it's not it's about AI. Up. I must be clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but but um, like I say, they're taking the position that you have to notify them and then they'll do the analysis. A um, couple other areas of, of importance, if, if you've got a business that you're allowing people to use artificial intelligence in, is uh, a number of uh, AI systems have been sued um, by various groups and collectives um, based on the idea that feeding the information into the AI to train it is a, is a copyright infringement. Um, I know Sarah Silverman got a, a coalition of, of you know comics and and people like that, uh, and filed suit fairly recently, and I'm aware of several others. <clears throat> None of them have progressed far enough to know what the courts are going to do with that. Um, and and I don't, I don't really have an opinion. You know that perhaps is fair use. It's perhaps not infringing at all because you're not necessarily making a copy. But it does raise the concern of what if the output? What if you're using AI for something and the output is too close to something that it was trained on? Can you be liable for copyright infringement? Um, and I think the answer there is almost certainly yes. If you then take that output and, you know, put it on your website, sell, you know, sell the books or, or posters or, you know, you're at that point, you're actually making copies and you may well be subject to infringement. And, um, you know, one of the key things in copyright infringement is you have to show that somebody actually had access to and copied the work. And if you're using AI that's been trained on basically scraping the entirety of the Internet, it's going to be really hard to prove that you didn't have access, at least through the AI. Well, you know, you're making my brain run around and <laughs> I'm a, I'm a lay person. So I apologize first. But, you know, they always say there's like only four or five original ideas in the world. 
And I'm just wondering five years from now, when IP is, I mean, when AI is so much more prolific, will it almost be impossible to come up with an original idea? Um, I Certainly, if you look at Hollywood these days, it seems like it already is impossible to come up with an original idea. But yeah, I think that's a, that, that is a big concern. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I, I personally don't think IP protection should be granted to AI generated stuff. You know, if you wanted to, you could use an AI program very simply and very quickly to basically render the Eiffel Tower in every conceivable lighting condition, weather condition, angle. Uh, you know, you could do that, you know, fairly trivially. Trivially, it would be a matter of days before you've arguably created every possible image of the Eiffel Tower. You know, would that then give you the right to exclude anyone from ever, um, you know, creating an image and painting, whatever? And I just saw this morning that uh, a political candidate has an AI ad out there that has recreated a competitive candidate speaking and acting that never happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. The deep fake issue is a, is a whole other issue of its own. Um, I know I've heard um, people have used AI to create, uh, for example, like a late era Beatles song using Paul McCartney's 1965 right. voice. Um, and it it does sound noticeably different. Um, and the real question there is, is you know, there it's probably copyright infringement because it's still a Beatles song that you're doing. But if you wrote your own song and used AI to have Paul McCartney's voice implanted into your song, I'm not sure right at the moment that that's some kind of, uh, uh, you know, some kind of a tort or some kind of an infringement. It's, it's a very gray area that's going to have to be um, fleshed out and perhaps new statutes developed. Um, and then, oh, sort so of one, really one are headed, we really are headed to uncharted new territory. Yeah, I mean, the you know the writers and the actors uh, guilds are on strike right now, and the actors guild one of their main points is that they don't want AI to uh, basically start deep faking themselves into movies that they themselves didn't act in. And I, I think for the you know for the major stars, it's probably less of an issue, but for the bit players, they don't really have any any you know negotiating authority or power. They basically, if they if they get offered an agreement that gives the companies the right to do that, they kind of have to take it. So it is kind of a big concern for them. Uh, it's it's certainly been a big concern expressed by various authors groups and various you know artists groups. Um, you know, this is potentially going to squeeze a lot of people out of business if uh, if something isn't done. <laughs> well, this is all so exciting, and that's why we love having you on these segments. I will tell our listeners that both Tom and myself are real. This, these are not AI <laughs> versions. They wouldn't be so flawed, at least on my part, if they weren't uh, if they were AI. But Tom, uh, clearly, this whole area isn't particular interest to entrepreneurs. And if someone wants to get hold of you, learn more about it, make sure that they are protected properly. Uh, how would they find you? Uh, they can reach me at uh, tmcnulty at lalaw.com. Um, our website is www.lalaw.com. They can find me and everyone else at my firm there. Uh, or you can reach me at uh, 617-395-7040. And as your logo says with LNA uh, Law, it's a better IP, better world. We're going to have segments with you throughout the year. And we're looking forward to having you back. Thanks, Tom. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Again, everybody, this is Radio Entrepreneurs.